0: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good day, whatever it is for you when you're listening to this. I want to thank you once again for tuning back in to The Forge. I am very excited to get into our next episode here in the book of Galatians. And if you want to find your place there, we're going to be in Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 through 10. Galatians 1, 6 through 10. And I really want to encourage you as you're listening to these things, um, if you can, if you're not just passively listening in your car or something like that, um, take notes because you never know when our Lord might bring something to mind as I'm sharing my thoughts. It's not that I'm some kind of a great person, uh, but God is great and God is the one that we want to hear from and he speaks to us through his word. Um, so it should really go without saying that if you are listening to this, um, and you are in a situation where you can at least go ahead and take notes because, um, you never know, uh, whenever you might hear something or something comes to mind or the Holy Spirit begins to deal with your heart and you need to write it down so that you don't forget it. And, uh, you know, don't be afraid to underline Or highlight things in your Bible. You can write in the margins. You can take notes. Um, Some people don't like to do that because they just can't bring themselves to write in a Bible. But in my Bible, I have things underlined and circled and highlighted and little notes out to the side. And these things just help me remember certain things. So, with that said, friends, we live in a world today, which seems to have no shortage of belief systems and religions, uh, there are cults um, that would call themselves Christian, and I'm sure that uh, you've got them in your neighborhood as I have them in my neighborhood. In fact, I know that um, they are present because I've traveled a lot in my life, and everywhere I've been, I have been able to find cults and cult members and even when I'm not looking for them they come looking for me there are these young men called elders who will ride their bicycles and they wear white shirts and they want to come knock on your door and bear their testimony to you and they want to tell you of another testament of Jesus you don't have the complete Bible there's a not another testament the book of Mormon and of course I'm speaking of the Latter-day Saints or the Mormons There's a famous media personality. His name is Glenn Beck, and he is a Latter-day Saint. There's also a group which is uh, taken to standing in public places like parks and shopping centers, and they want to hand out their literature there. And they used to knock on doors, but they've changed their tactic a little bit. And if you ever go talk to them, they're going to tell you that the Bible that you have has been corrupted. And that they have the New World Translation of the Holy Scriptures. And that's the only correct Bible that there is. And of course, I'm speaking of the Jehovah's Witnesses. What they don't want to tell you is the one that came up with their so-called Bible uh, could not read or understand Greek. So it's interesting that they have a new translation of the New Testament from someone who doesn't understand or know original languages. And I think I should probably go ahead and mention those guys over at Duck Dynasty, uh, so-called reality TV. And you may have even heard me say this before. It's not reality and it's not TV. I don't know what it is, but it's neither one of those in my humble opinion. And people love this show. And I suppose there's a lot worse things you could watch on television. But did you know that this family, this Duck Dynasty family, they're all members of the so-called Church of Christ? Did you know that the Church of Christ believes that baptism is necessary for salvation? And they also believe that one must be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ based on Acts 2.38. Thus being baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is not correct according to the Church of Christ. They also have beliefs about music. There are no musical instruments in their church service. They sing everything a and the and the acapella, excuse me, acapella, and um, they believe that those of us who use musical instruments in our church service, we are not doing things correctly. There's a Pentecostal sect. You may have heard me talk about these folks. They're known as Apostolic Pentecostals, or Jesus Only, or Oneness Pentecostals. The United Pentecostal Church falls under this bracket. And these hold to the same baptismal formula as the Church of Christ, but they go one step further, and they actually reject the Trinity. They believe in what's called modalism, and that is that God operates in different modes. So when he is the Father, he's not the Son or the Spirit, and when he's the Spirit, he is not the Son or the Father, and so on. And this is a denial of the Trinity the so-called pastor that you've probably heard of in this movement and i use that term very loosely his name is td jakes there's also a so-called christian vocal group that sings music and you can hear them on so-called christian radio and it's phillips craig and dean and i think i've probably mentioned them before in another episode somewhere along the way But they, too, are modalists. And to be clear, friends, you cannot deny the Trinity and call yourself a Christian. There's the Seventh-day Adventist. They believe that meeting on a Sunday, like I do in my church, that uh, we're meeting on the wrong day. It's incorrect because the true Sabbath is Friday evening into Saturday morning. And you might recognize or remember Dr. Ben Carson, he's a Seventh-day Adventist. He has served in government positions. He even ran for president at one point. These Seventh-day Adventists, they attempt to keep dietary restrictions based on the Old Testament law for Israel. So there's no barbecue pork for you, no shellfish for you. Their entire movement was founded on a false prophecy that Jesus was going to return on a certain date. And then when Jesus did not show up, they had to change their doctrine, and that's very similar to what happened with the Jehovah's Witnesses. It's funny how so many of these cults have a misunderstanding of eschatology or what we call end times. There are also those who have an alleged, uh, an allegiance rather to the Roman Catholic Church. And by that, um, I mean the, the church that is headquartered in Rome that has the Pope and all of that and the list is very long for the Roman church and what they believe but i'm going to sum it up by saying that a true roman catholic believes in the roman church that is the pope that is the church in rome that they are the ultimate authority they do not believe the bible only as the ultimate authority so they would say the bible we believe in the bible we believe in jesus Plus, we believe in the church. To be clear on this one, uh, everybody should know what I believe by now. If you've been listening to this podcast for any length of time, I believe in something called sola scriptura. It means scripture alone. So I preach and I teach and I do not look to Rome in the church where I'm a pastor. Uh, We don't look to Rome, Roman Catholicism. For anything concerning our faith and practice. We go to scripture alone. So here's the question for you, friends. What do you believe? What does your church believe where you're attending? And why do you believe the things that you believe? And how do you even know that you're correct? Is everybody correct? How do you know that you've been baptized correctly? How do you know that the day that. You gather together in your church and you worship corporately together with other Christians. How do you know you're meeting on the correct day? So I want you to think about these questions as we get into the actual reading of God's word. From Galatians 1, verses 6 through 10. Galatians 1, 6 through 10. I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another. But there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we were an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel to you, than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you, Then what we you have received, let him be accursed. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I still pleased men, I would not be a bond servant of Christ. May God bless the hearing and the reading of his holy word. The first point I want to bring out here in this particular passage is Paul's marveling. Paul's marveling. You may remember From the last time we looked at Galatians in the previous episode, I told you that we're going to find Paul getting onto the church a little bit in Galatia. So this is where we find ourselves today. Paul is giving them a very strong rebuke. But I want us to notice that it gets even worse for the false teachers. Not only is he rebuking the ones who receive this false teaching, but he's rebuking the ones who teach it as well. That word marvel When the word tells us here that Paul had marveled at the church's turning away, there's more going on here than this simple simple wonder or bewilderment. The word that is used here brings with it this idea that Paul is surprised at something that is reprehensible. So why is this so reprehensible in the mind of Paul? What is he talking about? Well, it's reprehensible because they have changed. And you see, Paul had an expectation and he had a reason to expect something different from these folks. When it says here that they turned away so soon, it not only means that they turned away after Paul left and continued his journey, but that it happened quickly. And we see here that even though even those brought to faith by Paul, they could be seduced they could lapse very quickly into something other than the true gospel of jesus christ and we should notice here that even the best preaching in the world cannot overcome our sinful desires and our hearts you see we're sinners by nature and there's something within us and it can even happen to us as christians we want to try to help out god with our salvation but i would remind you dear friends if you are born again, if you have been regenerated by the power of the Spirit of the living God, if you are a Christian, you are preserved by the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit who overcomes. comes. And your good works do not assist him in his work in you. Our salvation does not depend upon how well we're doing on some kind of a cosmic scorecard or report card. In fact, the apostle Paul tells us later in this very same book, he says the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. You see, even Paul tells us that he struggles with this very same thing, but Paul did not expect a turning away. You see friends struggling against a sin or making a mistake. You know, listen, as a Christian, we're not talking about sinless perfection here. It doesn't mean that you do everything correctly all the time. 100% of the time. Now that you're a Christian, no, we make mistakes. Paul's talking about a turning away. And I want you to imagine if you can breaking or altering a treaty Or a contract if you've served in the military I want you to imagine that term absent without leave or being AWOL and in this case Paul's addressing not a turning away which has already happened but one that is still in progress because you see when someone goes AWOL or absent without leave There's that initial act of doing it, but there's also a continuation of it with each passing day. So every day that you stay absent without leave, you are continuing to break that contract. When a treaty is broken, it's something that continues on as long as the terms of that contract are not honored. And this is what is in the mind of Paul. Paul tells us that they were turning away. the grace of christ and there's that word again grace you've heard me talk about this before grace is that gift that you do not deserve god's grace comes to us by his initiative his call and it's not because of anything which we have done in romans 4 verses 4 through 8 the bible tells us now to him who works the wages are not counted as grace but as debt But to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. Just as David also describes the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin. And Romans 8.30 states, Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called, whom he called, these he also justified, and whom he justified, these he also glorified. So what I'm saying here is what Paul preached. Everything I've read to you comes from the pen of Paul in different places. You cannot merit grace. You cannot demand grace. You can't stand there tell God that he's unfair. You cannot earn it, you cannot merit it, you cannot demand it of God. It is a gift. Free. Mercy is another word I like to talk about. Now, it's not in our text, but I want to give you this definition as well. Mercy is God withholding the punishment which you actually do deserve. So not only do we as Christians receive this grace, which we do not deserve, we also receive God's mercy when he does not give us the punishment that we so rightly earned. You want to work for something? You want to earn it? You go right ahead. You'll get nothing but punishment if you think you can do this without Christ. I encourage you to read Ephesians 2, chap, uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. Read that. Go to that passage of Scripture and read that in your own time. Paul uses the phrase, a different gospel. Friends, a different gospel is not another gospel. There's only one gospel, and it's found in this book, the Bible. It's not found in any other testament. It's not found in Rome. It's not found in a new, uncorrupted Bible. It's not found in any other false system of works. Not only do I believe in Scripture alone, I also hold to grace alone, faith alone, and Christ alone for the glory of God alone, You have probably heard me say that in other episodes. See, the gospel is simple, but it starts with some bad news. Here it is. I'm going to give this to you very quickly, and I'm going to give you some scriptures to look up in your own time. And you can go back and slow this down and listen. If you don't catch these references on the very first go around. You are. Were truly born into sin, and you've broken God's laws, and you are a sinner. That's Psalm fifty one five and Romans three twenty three. You have been found guilty, and the penalty is death. Romans six twenty three. That's the bad news. Now the good news is that Christ came to save sinners. 1 Timothy one fifteen and Hebrews nine twenty six. God the Father placed your sin upon Christ, who was innocent. Christ then took the penalty and the full wrath of a righteous God and judge upon the cross, where Jesus bled, suffered, and died for his people. 1 Peter 2, 24, 2 Corinthians 5, 21. For all those who would call upon the name of Christ for salvation, your sin was placed upon him, and in turn, his righteousness was placed upon you. You can become a child of God and a joint heir with Jesus, the son of the living God. According to Romans 8, 16 through 17 and John 1, 12. Come to Christ alone in faith, realizing that you have nothing to offer but the sin that makes your salvation necessary. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. I've already mentioned that passage. 1 Corinthians 3, verses 14 through 15. It is that simple. But Paul says here, there's some who want to trouble you. Friends, I want you to notice that what Paul says about those who bring false teaching to the people of God. Now, these were probably a group of people known as Judaizers, and these were Jews who had come into the church And they insisted that in order for Gentiles to become a Christian, they had to become a Jew first. And they insisted that these Gentiles had to first be circumcised. The idea was that you had to become a Jew first and you could show your commitment under the Old Covenant. Because the circumcision was a sign of the Old Covenant. Now, We don't have Judaizers by that name in our church today, but we certainly do have those like I brought out in that introduction at the very beginning. We have those who want to trouble you with a multitude of different ways that you can work for your salvation. Do not fall for it. Don't fall for it. Second point I want to bring out is Paul's correcting First we had Paul's marveling, now we're going to have Paul's correcting. R.C. Sproul stated, Those who had any additional requirements for salvation to faith in Jesus Christ, no matter how excellent their credentials, twist the gospel into another form. The preachers of the false gospel are under God's condemnation. End quote. So let's take a look at our text here, verses eight and nine together. Paul says, we, he says, we now a great question here is to whom is Paul making reference when he says we, well, friends, I take you back to verse two, Paul states that there are brethren with him. Remember, we talked about how he was not alone in his work. Paul says, he uses this phrase, an angel from heaven. Now imagine that we all witnessed an angel coming down from heaven, and this angel presented some new teaching, either contrary or in addition to the gospel. Interestingly, many cults are founded on a premise like this. Joseph Smith, the prophet of the Latter-day Saints, claims or claimed that an angel from heaven brought him the Book of Mormon. And so it goes. So that's what paul says paul says we were an angel from heaven and this is what paul means the apostle paul means there's no exception about this topic he cannot present a so-called new gospel his brethren cannot an angel from heaven cannot and certainly these judaizers coming into the churches after paul cannot present another gospel. The reason that none of these can present another or a new or an additional gospel is because there's no such thing. And if that attempt is made, Paul states of the one attempting it, let him be accursed. The Greek root of this word is where we get the word anathema, anathematei It means damnation excommunication, disbarment, denunciation, a ban on you, or a curse on you. You think that the Apostle Paul had strong feelings about this? We should note that he includes himself. He's saying, listen, even if I come back to you with some new doctrine on this subject, I myself am to be accursed. We need to remember that this is the word of God, and that means that God has a strong opinion when it comes to salvation. So why Paul says these things? Why does Paul say these things? Remember Paul's conversion from Acts chapter 9. Remember that Paul used to be Saul. He was the persecutor of the church, and we're going to talk more about that in the next episode. But Saul had clung to the law. But that was before he personally saw the risen Christ. And now his name went from Saul to Paul. Why did Paul seem to be so dogmatic about his claims concerning the gospel? It's because he knew he was standing on solid ground. He was standing on the fact of Christ's death and resurrection. The brethren cannot change his mind. An angel cannot change his mind. No one can shake his belief and the simplicity of the gospel of Christ. The third point I want to bring out here is Paul's preaching. Paul's preaching. One of these days, Lord willing, we're going to go through the entire book of Acts verse by verse. But today's not that day. We're in Galatians. But I want us to understand the context of what Paul is talking about here. And in order to understand that, we are going to have to take a little bit of a trip back to the book of Acts. What was the message that Paul first brought to the churches? What had he preached first? I encourage you to go read Acts 13 and 14. If you have a study Bible, it's probably going to have dates of Paul's first missionary journey set around 47 or 48 AD. And if your Bible has maps, uh, there is a good chance that you've got these maps that will show you Paul's missionary journeys and you can find the area known as Galatia. And this will give you an idea of where geographically Paul was in the world Now, with that said, I'm going to take a very quick moment here to briefly review part of what Paul preached. We find it in Acts chapter 13, verses 38 through 39. He says, therefore, let it be known to you, brethren, that through this man, and he's talking about the man, Jesus. If you're reading in your Bible, it may be capitalized to show deity It says, therefore, let it be known to you, brethren, that through this man, Jesus, is preached to you the forgiveness of sins. And by him, everyone who believes is justified from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. I want you to catch that. Everyone who believes is justified not everyone who believes and knocks on doors. Not everyone who believes and gets baptized in a particular way. Not everyone who believes and um, worships on a certain day of the week. Everyone who believes in Christ is justified. Justified from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. Now, the law is what points us to Christ. And I look at the law and I can see that I cannot measure up. And I'm going to quickly go through the Ten Commandments here. I'm going to go through them and give a little brief discussion on them, each one. And let's just see how you measure up. Now, there's more to the law. Than the Ten Commandments. But I think the Ten Commandments is a great place to start. Number one, thou shalt have no other gods before me. What about money, job, career, hobbies, family, friends? You think you have no other gods before the one true living God, but I ask you to examine those things. Thou shalt not make into any graven image. Tim Keller once said, Our heart is an idol maker. So let me ask you this, friends. Now, in the West, we don't carve images. Uh, We don't make things out of stone and wood and, and bow down to them and actually worship them. But I'll ask you this what do you read? What do you do for entertainment? What do you do in your spare time? What are you looking at? What are you watching? All of these things can become an idol. And to be perfectly honest about it, there are places in the world today, and even right here in the United States, where people still worship idols. Commandment number three, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Have you ever called out his name when you were not praying see, God's name is not a swear word. Number four, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Now, this is the one where our friends in the Seventh-day Adventist uh, cult, and I know that's going to offend people because some people think they are not a cult. But I have talked to former members and they are a cult and they meet every definition of a cult. And this is where they would come to someone like me and they'd say, you're not meeting on the Sabbath day. You meet on Sunday and that's the first day of the week. And therefore, you are violating this commandment. And friends, I would just point you back to what Jesus said about this. And here's what the words of Jesus are. Now, this is God in the flesh. This is God speaking. And he says, Man was not made for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath was made for man. So, in other places, the scripture tells us that we are not to esteem one day higher than another. The point is simply this. Christ is my Sabbath. I rest now in him. You see, that Sabbath day was that one day that was set aside And now I don't have to wait for one day to set aside to have communion with God and rest and keep it holy. Because I am a Christian, every day is now holy. Do you understand that? It is impossible for me to keep this law. And so the living word came to me. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Let me ask you this, though, in terms of this commandment. Do you go to church when the doors are open? Have you always 100% of the time made time for the Lord on a special day that you have set aside for him? Have you taken a Sabbath? Number five, honor your father and mother always 100% of the time. Did you always do 100% of the time what your mom and dad said to do? Did you honor them in their old age? Number six, thou shalt not murder. And Jesus tells us that if we hated someone, then we've already done the act in our heart. You see, because what Jesus is pointing out, and this is what I'd like to get across to cult members, is that it's not about action. It's about what is already in the heart. If the heart is correct, actions will follow. If the heart is incorrect, in other words, if I hate someone... Jesus tells us that the act has already been committed in my heart, so I'm guilty of murder if I've ever hated someone. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Now, you might be thinking, on this one, I'm safe. I never cheated on my wife. I never cheated on my husband. But Jesus says that if you look at someone with lust in your heart, then you've already done the act. And so, again, we come back to this theme, just like with the Lord's Day. It's about your heart. It's not about your action get your heart right. The actions will follow. And the only way to get your heart right is for Christ to do that work by the power of the Holy Spirit inside of you. Thou shalt not steal. How are you doing so far? Have you ever taken something, no matter how small, even by accident, that wasn't yours? A paper clip from the office. Doesn't matter. It's not yours. Belongs to the office and somehow it ended up in your paperwork or maybe a pencil or pen. It's not meant to be given away. It's office supplies and somehow it ended up with you. You even took it by accident. What about that book that you borrowed and you never gave it back? You didn't mean to steal it, but the bottom line is it's not yours and it remains in your possession. Number nine Thou shalt not bear false witness. Have you always 100% of your life told the truth every single time? Number 10, thou shalt not covet. Have you ever wanted something that did not belong to you? Doesn't belong to you. I don't mean you want something like it. I mean, you wanted that one thing and it's not yours to take. See, Paul talks to us about justification by faith, justification by faith. And we'll get to this as we get into the second chapter of Galatians and even the third chapter. But the word tells us that we are not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. And justification is being declared righteous by God. And it is at the heart of the gospel. God declaring sinners righteous. How can he do that? How can he do that and remain just and fair and a good judge? Well, he does that because somebody already paid the price. Somebody already took your sentence Somebody had to pay. And God becomes the just and the justifier because he placed your sin on the one who never sinned. He placed your unrighteousness on the one who was totally righteous. And by faith, we receive that gift of life. We receive that gift of the righteousness of Christ, It is accredited to your account if you put your faith and trust in the gospel message that I'm giving you right now. Put your faith and trust in Christ and Christ alone, not Christ plus works. Keep it simple, folks. The gospel is that Christ came to redeem us from sin. We preach the law to the proud. That's why I gave you the Ten Commandments, because you will hear people say, I'm not really that bad. I've had people say to me, you and I behave basically the same. We don't cheat on our wives. We don't cheat on our taxes. We're pretty nice guys. I just don't think I need Jesus. Well, friends, what that is, is pride. It's pride because they don't see themselves as someone who is a covenant breaker, someone who has broken the law. So we do give the law. To the proud so that we might be conduits of grace to the humble law to the proud grace to the humble may God grant you and wherever you go to church may he grant you that peace and grace may you be known for someone who proclaims the gospel. Of Jesus Christ. Until next time, God bless you. Amen.
1: Of discouragement and peace you cannot buy. Reflections of the old past either face you every day. But well, there's one thing, yeah, I do.